Welcome back to Bit About Crypto. I'm David James, the job whisperer. And also on Twitter, you can find me. I'm at the BTC recruiter. And I want to say thank you to everybody who supports the channel and on Spotify and Apple and YouTube. And uh, thank you for subscribing and leaving comments. You guys have been very kind, most of you, except for you scammers out there. And those scammers are the ones uh, who are leaving a Telegram channel asking you, saying it's from me or it's from my co-host Dave Hampton to, uh, <clears throat> hey, uh, send me some money and I'll tell you which coins to buy. That's not us. We'll never do that. <clears throat> okay. Is that really occurring? That's occurring, man. It's occurring on our, our stuff? Yeah, man. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, because you don't do the YouTube. You do the Spotify, I think, or the Apple, right? You listen, you don't watch? Correct. Yeah, that's right. So anyhow. Thank God for me to protect us from like all the evil out there. Yeah, I don't know what I'd do without you, David. I don't know what I'd do without me either. That's uh, two of us. That's pretty accurate. Yeah, I love me some me. Yeah, I know you do. Anyhow, uh, well, I guess no introductions needed. There's David Hampton, the Robo Recruiter. How you doing? I, I'm doing well. <clears throat> and uh, so we're here back in, in Las Vegas. And hey, Las Vegas is back open and everything is good. However, I am going to say that uh, some of the service isn't as good and some of the food isn't as good. Right, kind of depends on where you go, I, but I think that's that's pretty much anywhere you go. Yeah, so you know, we we went to a kind of nice restaurant last night, and I I, the reputation precedes itself. Yeah, yeah, the reputation was good, but I, I'm, for, not sure, what, I'm not sure it lived up to uh, the expectations yeah, given the uh, we price paid sixty percent too much. Right, it's gotten to the point where like sides, right? Sides used to be like eight bucks, nine bucks. Now sides at this place were like seventeen bucks each, and when you got there, they were small. And literally, when I got I got a dessert to go, key lime pie, and I looked in the box, and I wanted to say to the guy, where's the rest of it? Yeah. Right? Yeah, you probably would have said it's underneath. <laughs> he might have. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, so we're back in Las Vegas, and we enjoy coming here. Everybody's very nice. I want to give a big shout-out to Travis, uh, our engineer. Thank you, Travis, for all you do. You're welcome. Yeah. Love you. Love you back. And hey, what about uh, me? No, no, no. I love you. No, yeah, see, I love him too. Yeah, you got to pick. Uh, uh, yeah, equally. see, zip it. You got to zip you it. Pick. All right. Remember, you're the co-host. Well, I'm younger, you know, better looking, <laughs> yep. more, more virile. Yeah. <laughs> you can push me off a cliff and you can have the show. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, yeah, so welcome to Bit About Crypto, where we talk all things crypto. And the purpose of this show is for uh, our listeners to learn what's going on in cryptocurrency. That, you know, that's the funny thing. What, what motivated me to start this podcast is it dawned on me that there are a lot of people who don't understand cryptocurrency or blockchain. And, and where, when it finally, like the aha for me on that, David, was I was golfing with my buddy Tim Thurman, Flash, Gordon. We call, his first name is Gordon, but we call him, call him Flash. And we were on the golf course, and uh, he was lining up a putt. He's about to putt. And then my buddy Terry Lawler says, hey, uh, you could always pay off your gambling debts in Bitcoin, right? And why, would, why would you do that? No, no, but they, they, they don't know any better. They no. don't understand. So you're, you're, you know, you're learned. You're not logical, which brings us back to where I'm talking. And he's just about to take the putter back, and he stops. He puts the putter down, and he looks up at me. He goes, what is a Bitcoin, actually, right? <laughs> and, and it's so difficult for people to actually understand crypto. Nobody wants to look stupid, right? And it's one thing to go, hey, I'll just Google, you know, what is decentralized. You know, you can Google these things. But when it comes to cri cryptocurrency, there's so much happening so quick. And there's a lot of disinformation 
a lot of inaccurate information. So I decided, hey, I'm going to bring in all these different guests. And the, uh, fortunately, today's guest is somebody I actually met. So I went to, uh, I, I met, even, the, even though I talk about a lot of cryptocurrencies and I let anybody come on this show and have a voice, Right about what they th think. Uh -huh. I, I, I'm literally looking based on your experience. That's what I, America is about. Uh, yeah, I'm a Bitcoin maximalist, meaning I actually think that Bitcoin is going to win out. But that doesn't. I, I I reserve the right to be wrong about that, and I reserve the right to say to you, hey, you're welcome to actually buy whatever coin you want. All right, but most Bitcoin maximalists they want to actually talk to anybody who's involved in any other type of currency, so they can actually, you know, as we say, orange pill them. Orange peeler. And I went to BitBlock Boom and my, my knowledge base exponentiated. What happened to me when I went to BitBlock Boom, and it's a, an event that's a Bitcoin only sh uh, conference in Dallas, Texas every August. What happened there, my, I came to Bitcoin for the greed, but then I stayed for the ideology. I, I, I was like literally changed on the way I saw the world, which you know, got me to the podcast. And of course, what got me started, us started in uh, blockchain recruiters. And of course, you're going to actually have your inaugural visit to BitBlock Boom. And uh, I said to you yesterday, as we were driving uh, in the hotel, I said, BitBlock Boom is going to change your life. And you being very stoic said, okay, right? But you'll see. Time will tell. Yeah, It's like your first trip to Disneyland. <clears throat> I'm living here forever. <laughs> and but in, in a lot of ways, that is true. So, um, yeah, so uh, when I went to uh, BitBlock Boom, I think it was last year, right? Uh, one of my friends, the, the friend, uh, Uncle Jim, as we refer to him, he actually, uh, he indoctrinated me. He said, hey, there's this guy you need to meet, Mike Smith. And we hung out with him at the, the conference. We listened to speakers, and uh, we went to dinner a couple of times. And I, I, I really i am privileged to actually have him uh on the show because he's really one of my mentors. He's, he's said some things to me conceptually that I'd never thought of, but no one else has brought up to me. So he, uh, he's going to talk about a story. He's actually in the construction trade, but he actually started a bank, a bank. And he, I'm going to, well, I don't know if bank is the way, what we're going to call it, but it's a place where you can store things related to your cryptocurrency wallets or codes or I'm going to let him get into that. And when he told me he was doing it and he said, he, I, I think he was either building it himself or demoing it and, and doing the tenant improvements. Cause you and I come from construction. That's right. And I said to myself, of course you are. But that's, that's the thing about people. When you get orange pill, like Mike and I have, and now you, David, the, your life has to be something as it involves crypto. And for us, you know, we get people jobs in the cryptocurrency space. And so like, um, uh, <clears throat> Have I already have I already plugged all my social? Have I done that already, Travis? Yeah, you've done all that. Somebody needs a nap. <laughs> Anyhow, so with no further ado, let's stop me from talking. Let's get Mike talking. Mike Smith, welcome to the show. Amen. Yeah, Bitcoin101.io. Great to be here. Yeah. Glad you got the show going. Yeah, you, so awesome. uh, how accurate is, uh, remember us meeting at uh, BitBlock Boom? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you throwing out some comments to the speakers up there when it was appropriate, like uh, F Coinbase. Uh, <clears throat> I I don't think that's something I, I would I ever do. I think you got him mistaken with another heckler. Yeah. David, yeah. David never, never, yeah. ever thank, heck, heckles. Thank you, Dave. Ever. Thank, thank you. Yeah, it's very unbecoming. Little insulting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah, you got the right guy. 
Okay, I confess. You got I throw myself at the mercy of the court. Anyhow, yeah, it was it was a good time, and I got to meet you there. So, uh, Mike Smith, let's let's see your shirt. Let's see your shirt for the audience a little bit, right? So, right, it says Bitcoin 101. Live it, love it, learn it. Yeah. So, uh, Mike's clearly been orange pilled. So, Mike, you you live in Michigan? Yeah, middle of Michigan, right by Lansing. The capital. Uh, capital, Michigan State University in East Lansing. You know. Is that your alma mater? No, I actually went to Central Michigan University, which is about an hour north. Okay. So, t- are you, yeah, so talk about, uh, let's just hear about you growing up. Where, are you Michigan your whole life? Oh, yeah. Michigan oh. my whole life. Uh, come from pretty small, humble family and... Uh, Talk about it. Talk about like K through 12 for you. What, 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 what was your family like? What did you do? Went to the same, went to a small, uh, B class C school, um, out in the country, basically farm community, you know, spent the summers mowing yards and baling hay. Were your parents farmers? Did you live on a farm? Uh, I actually was right next to a family farm. We just had a acre our house is on one acre and uh but my uncle had a big farm next to me and he was more of a hobby farmer but i helped him every summer uh while i was growing up so it was good so so when you were uh, k through 12 right you know junior high what kind of things were you into were you in sports were you in the, what did you do i played sports you know i was your average athlete you know Good enough to make the team, not good enough to be a star, right? Yeah, so you know? so what is uh, not good enough to be a star and not good enough to make the team? That's what I was. So I just don't know how do we classify that. Well, like, uh, you know, for basketball, I would start sometimes or I'd be the sixth man, you know, right in there. David, you uh, can speak to that. Uh, well, that that's called being cut. <laughs> So, I mean, uh, just candidly speaking. So, yeah. Are you talking about me or are you talking about him, the sixth man? Uh, no, uh, I'm talking about you. Oh, yeah, I know about being cut. Okay. I actually have a degree in being cut. Anyhow, uh, no, but he said he was the sixth man. David was a basketball coach. I was a basketball coach. I, was, I played basketball, yeah. yeah. So. And so when you got out of high school, what types of things were you thinking? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Well, I, I thought I was going to be an attorney. That was kind of my first plan when I went off to college. After my freshman year, I got a job laboring for an excavating contractor Okay. for the the summer. And that was my first exposure to working around big equipment, working outside, working on uh, big jobs, building things, actually doing things, you know, that at the end of the day, you could see what you had done and I liked working outside. It was pretty rewarding. And by the end of that summer, I kind of had in my mind that maybe I'd like to be involved in that business or that industry somehow. So I think I know this. I, th- I think you, your, at least your most recent vocation until you got to your new, new venture was construction and specifically excavating, correct? Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and that, that's what I do now. I have a I have an excavating company that I've had since 1987 that I run every day. So it takes some of my 
takes a lot of my time away from being able to be on Bitcoin 100% of the time. So this is kind of a sideline for me. I'd like to move into being my main line. Well, okay, we're going to talk about that. So you brought up the B word, right? I mean, how apropos the day after the B word conversation came up. Uh, did, right. Are you f- familiar with uh, Elon and Jack and Kathy? Talk, are you, did you hear any of that? You know, I, I saw some of the highlights from it. Um, I did not see it. I knew it was coming. I knew, uh, and it was what, Nick Carter and Lynn Alden were in there too. Yeah. Um, I did not. I just saw. I, well, I saw what Elon says. Right, they report everything that Elon says. It does, you know? But for guys like us, it really doesn't matter because it's not going to. Ch- nothing's going to change our opinion about Bitcoin, right? Because oh, we've orange pilled. Absolutely not. Right. So, so I find. I find. I just. I, I got better fantasies than that. I just. I don't. I don't. I don't. It's kind of like I spent all that time watching the Michael Saylor uh, debate where he uh, debated the the gold guy from Canada. And yeah, I was Frank, Ju- Frank Juster. Yeah, that's that's correct. The Viacom guy. And I was really mad that I'd, I'd spent the time because when I heard the paraphrases of it and you knew how it was going to be, you know what Michael was going to say and you know what uh, Frank was going to say and not one person changed their mind. Right. Peter Schiff still agrees with Frank. Right. Yeah. Right. That, you know, that that's probably true. But one thing I took out of that debate was is that Fr- and I. I have owned, I was a gold silver guy, okay, for a long time. And I've owned the miners for leverage. And Frank Justra is uh, an elite money manager in that space, in the mining industry. And he, he struck me as being somewhat on the defensive. And uh, his, you know, Michael <laughs> Saylor makes point that, you know, you should get some exposure to Bitcoin as insurance, you know, with 25 to 100 basis points, right? If it doesn't go anywhere, it's not going to hurt you. And he, you know, could not even acknowledge That's right. that maybe that would be a good idea. He was just, you know, he, he was so defensive. He almost reminds you of a I actually don't want to say it about Frank Juster, like a Peter Schiff being just brain dead about it. But he did not want to acknowledge that it would be, it may be a good idea to get some exposure. And it's, I'm not risking the farm here. I'm not risking anything. I'm buying insurance the same way you buy insurance on your house, fire insurance, nobody wants it to burn down. They don't get that money back and it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. And rarely do you get all the money back. Rarely do you get the same the same house. As, 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 a, as a matter of fact, yeah, I, I can digress here. My entire neighborhood in Santa Barbara burnt to the ground in 1991 in the Painted Cave fire, right? And a lot of people got a lot of money and less than 90% of those people rebuilt. Because uh, it just yeah. it just wasn't it wasn't worth doing it. I'm actually trying trying to look look at something here, because yes. So basically, I'm going to say it right here because what we're talking about Frank and what we're talking about as far as Peter Schiff is concerned, that they, they have not yet capitulated. Right, Bitcoin no. bad, gold good. Right, yep. and it's funny because Jamie Dime. So my son used to work. Uh, shout out to Daniel. I love you, son. He's orange pill too. Uh, he used to work at Bank of America, 
And he told me that he'd open accounts. And he told me that if somebody was coming in to say, hey, I want to open an account and it's used the word crypto or used the word blockchain or used the word Bitcoin, they immediately, you were refused. You, you can, it's like saying I got a bomb in my suitcase as a joke at the airport. It's like, it's like there's no coming back from that. You can't, right. you, you, it's like you're not flying today. Or any other day. And, and, and so I remember J- Jamie Dimon, right, the CEO of uh, J.P. Morgan, saying that if anybody, anybody at my firm is buying Bitcoin, they're fired, right? Yep. And so the article today says J.P. Morgan becomes first big bank to give retail wealth clients access to crypto funds. I'm just going to read the first line here out of Zero Hedge. We sure have come a long way in the past four years. Back in September 2017, billionaire J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon lashed out at a relatively new for boomer institutional investors asset class, Bitcoin, which Dimon said, quote, won't end well, predicting it will eventually blow up as, quote, it's a fraud, unquote, and, quote, worse than tulip bulbs, unquote. And the kicker, the CEO of the largest bank said he would fire employees trading Bitcoin for being stupid, Right. Fast forward to today when everything has changed. Not only has JPM launched a Bitcoin fund which for rich clients after years of bashing bit, uh, crypto, uh, its market quants publish a weekly hit piece bashing Bitcoin uh, and its crypto peers, but it now publishes a weekly report looking at all the latest news and trends <laughs> in the crypto realm, right? And it's just like it's one of these things. You just can't listen to what anyone's saying. You just got to watch what everyone's doing. And you know they've been buying it for years. Comment? Yeah, I don't know if they've been buying it for years. I I think they're just uh, you're going through the legacy financial systems version of FOMO and uh, fear of missing out. Just trying to not be left behind. I mean, but they're so far behind. You know, there's not many people out there with the technical skills to manage the back end on cryptocurrency, you know, specifically Bitcoin. And Jamie, you know, Jamie, nobody wants to go to work for him in this space. I, you know, I have some friends or Bitcoin core developers, and there's not many of these people, and they really want nothing to do with the legacy financial system. You know, Mm -hmm. I think, uh, I think that, I think these guys are just gonna slowly die on the vine. And you got people like Jack Mallers. I mean, holy cow, oh, wow. they should be shitting their pants looking at what Jack Mallers is doing. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, that kid 27, is just 27 year old kid. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, uh, just, yeah. and he's worth talking about right now. Talk yes. about Jack Mallers and, and how profound he is to our movement. Well, you know, he's huge. I was sitting in the audience in Miami when he made the announcement about El Salvador. And, you know, that was powerful. That was a powerful speech. And I would recommend anybody that watching this should go watch Jack Mallers' speech at Bitcoin 2021 because, you know, it was awesome. Yeah. So just a little backstory for our audience, just so you know. Um, Yeah. At Bitcoin, one of the very, the the final, the final segment at the at yep. the closing. Jack Mullers was yep. on stage for ten minutes, and he was announcing. Uh, he had a big announcement to make, right? And he was talking yep. about you know his experience as a kid and 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 what he did, et cetera, et cetera. And I'll I'll, I'll let I'll let Mike Mike you tell it. Yeah. So he 
he had he had went to El Salvador with Stripe, you know, which is a great app, and allowing people to use Lightning Network, transact, send remittances, tied to the legacy banking system. You can take your dollars in your Chase account, as he says, convert it, it trans converts to Bitcoin, goes and lands in another country, will convert to their local currency, and you have just sent money from point A to point B in real time for nothing. So he's get, he's got this thing ready to go. He goes down to uh, Bitcoin Beach, where Mike Peterson had really done a lot of groundwork down there to set the stage for Jack to go down there and really take advantage of this strike app. So he went down there and he he made such an impact. He got on the radar screen of the El Salvadoran government because they were downloading this app like is exploding exponentially and he's starting to have an impact down there on this little local economy. So the president, I think has his like his brother, his chief of staff, get a hold of Jack and say, hey, we want to talk to you about this. And of course, Jack's like, holy shit, are they gonna throw me in jail? <laughs> are they gonna what do they want to talk to me about? Wait, wait, wait. wait. Don't leave out don't leave out the part about how Jack didn't bring the suit. And what Jack oh, would, yeah. you know, what Jack yeah. wore to meet the yeah, president. Buddy. Yeah, you yeah. Know, yeah. I, I don't I don't know if Jack has a suit. Right? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but but any right, so that, well, he wanted to go home, right? Yeah, he was he was afraid. He was afraid. They're like, no, you, we're doing this like tomorrow. <laughs> well, I don't have a suit. This is what I'm wearing, whatever. And uh, I think the brother came out and had a hoodie on too, or something. Yeah. I think that, I think when Jack got there, he knew pretty quickly he was not going to be thrown in jail. But you know, the president started talking to him about the impact he was having and. That started the conversation. I'm sure Jack was driving that, you know, this needs to be legal tender currency in your country. And that would be the first country to ever do that. Yeah. And, and, you know, that is the first country. So he did become the first country. And that's just huge. The yeah. uh, implications are, are pretty big because as far as I know, any recognized national currency is to be recognized anywhere else as currency, which means there's all of a sudden no capital gains for Bitcoin. Now, I don't care what the laws say, our government's never going to let that happen. No. They care less about El Salvador. And the thing I mean, that made, made it so great was while Jack Ballers is on stage and, and he's just talking and he was so heartfelt and so profound, he actually yeah. started crying. And as yeah. I was watching him, I started yes. crying. I mean, yes. it's a, it's for because because that it, it reinforced the thing about Bitcoin for me that it's sound money and it's fairness and it's hope for the marginalized or the disenfranchised people. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the the screen drops and then there's the president of El Salvador, all of 38, 39 years old, right? Yep. Clean cut, yep. good-looking guy yep. who, who says in really good English. Yep. He says we're passing a law next week that's going to make Bitcoin legal tender here in the country of El Salvador. And I want to talk about this for a second. 22% of the gross domestic product of El Salvador is remittances, right? People migrate out of the country 
and they yep. work in America or some Western usually, and they send that money back. And of course, Western Union or some other you know bankster takes between eight and fifty percent. Yes. And now, right. now what they can they they can do is they can send it back and they can it's uh, Bitcoin's totally disruptive to money money senders right third party third th- counterparty uh, a- uh, agents and. <clears throat> What is everybody has been saying is is that Bitcoin won't rise in price until it gets mass, mass, mass institutional adoption. And I've always disagreed with that. I personally think, and I, I, I keep saying this, I think poverty is the thing that's going to push Bitcoin, right? Because you've got, now you've got a population of 6.5 million new Bitcoin users, right? In the Spanish-speaking, right? It's, an, it's, yeah. it's a centralized country. And there's not a lot of going from Tokyo to Rome, kind of back to New York City, to Milan. You know, everybody in El Salvador is staying in El Salvador, specifically in their village, right? But now what they're doing is they're actually accepting Bitcoin. So that means everybody in the United States that's El Salvadorian is getting Bitcoin. And now they're going to their bosses, right? One boss could be worth $100 million and hire 1,000 people talking to the domestic help saying, hey, can you pay me in Bitcoin? Going, wait, what is this Bitcoin? This this is that that electronic network effect thing that I'm talking about, and and it's not making the media like the way that Iran is mining Bitcoin, right? Or all these third world con- countries. I, I I use this example. I use this analogy, and the analogy is as follows: there was a there was a guy in uh, where was it? I was it Paraguay or Lebanon or Syria? One of those companies. I, Venezuela. Sorry, it was Venezuela. He paid his his website bill 50 years in advance, right? 50 years in advance, he paid $19 times 50 or whatever it is. And the website company called him and says, what are you doing? He says, I'm trying to protect my currency because when I actually get the refund from you, it's going to be in whatever (laughs) the amount amount of dollars that the American, you know, and and now I'm totally digressing. So anyhow, uh, it's wonderful. I think it's really, really wonderful, and I, I, I've totally stepped on your your thunder there. I'm sorry. Well, it, it, it's it's just part of the network effects that that Bitcoin's going through, and that was a big a big deal for Jack to go down there. He could have went to I think his uh, like COO or his main guy there wanted to go to Europe, and it's a bigger market, it's a more lucrative market. And he said, no, we're going to El Salvador because they they need us down there. You know, this is going to do well down there. And yeah. I think it was a brilliant move. It was a brilliant move because the freaking president made it the national currency, right? And well, he didn't make it the national currency. He made it legal tender. So you, yeah, you well, could take right. Right. along with the dollar. Yeah, that's right. Same status as the dollar. Right. So, you know. I want to yeah. ask you this. So you're so you're uh, you're a construction guy, right? You get out of college, excavating. You've been doing this since '87. Boom, boom, boom. Yep. How did Bitcoin find you, Mike? It was uh, it was the '0809 meltdown that changed everything for me. Really, I was uh, I had used my uh, well, so like '0506. I'm rolling. Things are good. Life is good. I got my excavating company that's doing good. I leveraged my ability to 
build out some projects for equity and some development deals with with uh, some partners. And 0809 hit and everything changed, right? The um, the market, the the real estate market just collapsed, you know, uh, commercial, especially commercial real estate. And I was developing uh, a lot of subdivisions. Well, I was involved in like three of them. And there had been so many lots brought on because the market was so hot that when, when everything collapsed, you know, these things are worth, they weren't worth hardly anything. I mean, I was involved in, in the biggest deal I was involved in. We had, uh, we were selling lots at 40 grand a piece. That's what the bank had them worth as collateral. And by 2009, you know, they were really worth nothing. My banker told me like, we don't even want to hold these on our balance sheet. So I'm like, are you telling me they're worth nothing? Yeah, basically they're worth nothing. Well, that got me really thinking, like when, when I'm trying to backtrack and figure out, you know, how I could have avoided all this and what decisions I made that I could uh, not make in the future, I came to the conclusion that if you're going to do a deal and your collateral can go to zero within a couple of years, you're never going to do a deal and you sure as hell aren't going to need or use a bank. <laughs> if it's going to go to zero. Yeah, so, yeah, that's right. So, so that, that made me at, at that point, I was like, I really need to drill down on just how the legacy financial system worked. And that took me to fractional reserve banking system. Right. And, and how, uh, and how corrupt that really was. And, uh, you know, I just didn't buy the standard line, which was, you know, they loaned a lot of money and people couldn't pay it back. And I remember George W. Bush saying, well, Wall Street just got drunk, you know. Well, okay, George, that's great. But, you know, what? So he didn't understand what happened. He probably still doesn't understand what happened. But that that took me to Austrian economics. It took me to hard sound money and you know ironically it, it one of the people that uh i followed that had so much good intel information was peter schiff at that time and that's what took me to gold and silver which i was all over for about five years and it was in uh, it was the world of sound money that I was living in that took me that Bitcoin came across my uh, radar screen in the fall of 2011. And uh, I actually at that time, I was just getting ready to start buying gold and silver. So I saw that it was at like three dollars. And it had been as high as 30 that pre, just a few months before that. But I remember him saying, you know, there can only be 21 million. This is digital gold. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, 
I thought it was interesting, but I didn't think much of it, right? So, so I'm buying gold and silver and um, Bitcoin pops up again here and there, not a lot. But by like 2013, when I was really starting to buy and gold and silver, I think it was in about April 2013, had a big correction and basically the 11, 12 year bull run for precious metals was really over. And Bitcoin was actually, had hit a hundred dollars. And I was like, I, I was just going to say a hundred dollars. I knew it was a hundred dollars because it, I know yeah, that in, 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 May, in, so, in May, it was 200 of 2013. Right, and, yeah. Right, and I'm fo- I'm following on Mount Gox and Bitstamp. It's like the only two places that were trading Bitcoin. I'm following the price, and I see it at hundred dollars, and 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 then like a few weeks later, it's two hundred dollars. Like, and I'm like, this, it's just you know getting my interest more, but I have no idea how I'm going to buy this. No, I have I know nothing about it other than it's interesting the price action is interesting that's what's interesting to me you know and i think it was a couple of years later bitcoin you know and then it hit over a thousand that now. was december of 2013 yeah and, and it's like getting close to the price of an ounce of gold and i'm like well this is bullshit how can this you need you got to mine gold. You got to get it. It's rare. It's like four parts per billion in the earth's crust. I mean, you can't, it, you can't bring more of it on like on a stock to flow basis. You know, you can't, the, the higher price isn't going to bring on that much more gold. And I mean, that's why it's been sound money for thousands of years. And, uh, and then Mount Gox gets hacked. And right. I'm like, well, I'm like, there you go. Bitcoin gets hacked. Hold on, stop, I stop. I didn't buy any. Oh, you had you you had not bought any, so you didn't get hacked on Mount Gox. I had not bought any. Nope. I watched it go to like eleven hundred dollars, and then Mount Gox happened, and it went down. I think it went below two hundred, and I was like, "Well, there you go. That's why I have gold. And I don't have Bitcoin because my gold ain't doing very well, but it ain't collapsed to two hundred dollars. So, uh, so that you know." That that but but I'm getting more interested, right? As this goes along, and by 2016, some of the people I'm following in the in the precious metals community start talking about Bitcoin, and they start talking about how they dismissed it, but they're on it. Um, they were talking about how you know the most asymmetric trade that the world's ever seen, and you know, we are going to allocate 1% because that could be huge. If it goes to zero, it doesn't matter. And that's the, a great way to look at it. It's a great way to look at it right now. So by 2017, I'm like getting ready to buy, but I have no idea how. So I start drilling down on that. I get an account set up at Coinbase because I don't know any better. Right. Mm-hmm. And I buy I buy my first Bitcoin at like eighteen hundred dollars. And I'm thinking, you know, I felt like a schmuck because I could have bought it at three. And I here I yeah. am buying at eighteen hundred. So, so th- this late. was this was April of 2017. 
Uh, no, this was actually in this was in the summer of 2017. Okay, this is the summer of 2017. Because I remember in August 2017, it went to four thousand. Right. Yep. So yeah, it went. Yeah. To, it, it yeah, it went. Yeah. So like you know, I buy it at eighteen hundred, and then I'm I have no idea what a happening cycle is. I know none of this shit. I'm just lucky to buy it at eighteen hundred. And it's about to go for a ride, and I got no idea other than it's going to be fun, right? So I get in, I get into watching the podcast. I'm starting to figure out who's who in the community. I start I start following the uh, segwit, you know, the segwit debate, the scaling debate, which was, uh, you know. Was was maybe it, it could have been the biggest actual threat to Bitcoin at that time when when uh, the, our, our, yeah, our civil split. war, right? It was a major civil war. Right. And for those and of you who are the very for, beginning of that, for those of you who are listening, we've spoken about this on other podcasts. And I know, David, you and I talk about this all the time, is that when Bitcoin actually forked. Right. There was an argument over. No, no, this is Bitcoin cash. This is Bitcoin Satoshi's vision. And everyone said, no, Bitcoin's fine the way it is. And there was a lot of people <clears throat> like Mike and myself thinking, uh, I don't know if Bitcoin's going to survive this. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was a it was a big threat. Nobody knew, you know, when they forked that. And, and Roger and Jeheim had a lot of power. Ro Roger was Bitcoin Jesus. I mean, I watched him in a lot of videos. He he was a big part of my educational uh, process on Bitcoin. And, you know, he, I remember him saying, you know, I did it with Bitcoin. I can do it with Bitcoin Cash. So if, Ro and, uh, if Roger is uh, Bitcoin Jesus, who do you think yeah, is Bitcoin Moses? He became Bitcoin Judas, by yeah. the way. Yeah, of course, of course. Well-deserved. Yeah, yeah, he's Bitcoin know? Jesus. But, but, but he, he is, he, him and Rod, him and Gian Wu are a great example of what happens when you try to take on Bitcoin. When you think you're more powerful. That's right. That's and, right. And they, they ended up getting, you know, they could have been two of the richest people in the world. And, you know, Jihan Wu ends up losing freaking Bitmain, his own company. That's right. And, and Roger's out there still trying to promote bit B trash with a straight face. So, I mean, so let me let me ask you this. So if, if uh, Roger is Bitcoin Jesus, who in today's world do you think is Bitcoin Moses? Oh, well, I, I, I mean, there's only one person. Michael Sanders. That's correct. Travis, is, is, Travis, uh, tell him what he wins. You win a new car. That's correct. <laughs> I'm so proud of you that you got that. That's correct. Yes. Michael Saylor is Bitcoin well, Moses. He sure is. So I, so I thought, you know, so I thought, I mean, Mike, Michael Saylor, you know, is like a one in a billion. He's not one in a hundred million. I mean, this guy is super, super rare because he did not get on Bitcoin until 2020. And for him to, to take in all that information and get up to speed and then blow by most everybody else as fast as he did, uh, I, I think he, I've, I've said that he is a Bitcoin 2020's Rookie of the Year and MVP. And if you want to know how rare that is in the major sports, that's happened like five times in the last hundred years in all the sports. So Michael Saylor, you know, is just tremendous. Yeah. I, I actually think that Michael was 
maybe responsible for about twenty thousand dollars of Bitcoin's ramp. Yeah. In, in you know in uh, February, March, April of twenty twenty. Yeah, twenty twenty one. Yeah. And yeah. you know, and yeah. then and then uh, and then uh, Elon is probably responsible for twenty thousand of it on a correction. Yeah, but but, but he, me, he, he here's I got to stop. Here's what I want to say about this. And go ahead. you you made a point. You said that that when you try and take on Bitcoin, right? Yes. You want yes. you, you want to take take on Bitcoin, then uh, yes. <clears throat> this is what you actually get. Yes. And I I I think the reason that Bitcoin has been trading sideways for so long, like hovering, you know, in the 30s, right? Low low 30 29,000, maybe 38 high for months and months is because uh, there are only two people who make money in Bitcoin, those that are that buy and hold, set it and forget it, and exchanges. And what has happened is if you were long, you got, you got margin called. If you were short, you got margin called, right? So now all those people who actually had Bitcoin are broke, and the exchanges have it. So, so who's margin calling on? But my point is, I don't believe, I believe that our market uh, – is is literally um, how do I say this to you? It's stronger than just what Elon Musk says. It it's well, got to be. It's just got to be. Look, my my point about uh, Michael Saylor and Elon Musk is is that ultimately neither one of them are going to have hardly any influence on the. Price. That's right. Okay. I yeah. mean, when this is you know world reserve currency status, uh, you know they're just going to be footnotes. And along this path and and michael will be a great footnote and uh, i think elon's done some things he's gonna have to live with for the rest of his life i mean you can't you know you, he, to me it's so obvious that he is probably owns that wallet with a quarter of the dogecoin in yeah it. yeah and the fact that he could come out and say you know well if, if doge did this and if it did that and if the block sizes were 10 times bigger well you know that debate was Bitcoin won that debate a long time ago. You cannot scale with block sizes. And if you want to see a great takedown on why you can't scale with block sizes, uh, go to YouTube and put in Rocky Palumbo and watch. He, he did this in 2017 and lays it out really well for a layman, somebody like me who's not technical about why you can't scale with bigger block sizes. And it's, it's, it's some great work that he put out. So uh, I want you to talk, I'll go back to something else that you said. You said that Bitcoin being the world reserve currency. I actually mm -hmm. tend to believe that too, right? So, however, <clears throat> I don't believe the IMF, the International Money Fund, the EC Bank, the European Central Bank, the Fed, the Treasury, United States, the Bank of Canada, they're going to say, yeah, that's cool. Bitcoin's going to be this thing. I think that there's going to be a lot of fighting and difficulty uh, before that happens. How do you, what do you see happening? Forecast for us. Put your little turbine, turbine on and, and be the, the future seer. Well, how do you see that happening? I, so I, I see Bitcoin, and, and I, I said this, when we were at BitBlock Boom and I was out in the hall and uh, – uh, I was talking to Jimmy Song, and I said to Jimmy, I said, you know, I said, I, I want to see Bitcoin, and I think Bitcoin is going to be like uh, pancreatic cancer to the legacy financial system. It's just going to slowly work its way through, 
And <laughs> I hope that by the time the legacy financial system realizes what is happening, it has about a week to live. <laughs> and, and of course, of course, Jimmy kind of cringed at me, but I think he got the point. Yeah. Was, you know, because Jimmy's a great Bitcoiner. And I was actually, uh, you know, I don't want to use the cancer word with Bitcoin, but the point I was making was Bitcoin is just going to, you know, you got a week left to live with pancreatic cancer. You know, you might as well. Forget yeah. And for those of you who don't know, Jimmy, Jimmy song is really one, one of, one of the, the born, is found, one, of the one of the founding fathers of Bitcoin. Right. And yeah. He, but is, the thing about and, it, you know, he's, he's never really wavered. He's been rock solid. Yeah, but, you know, but, he hasn't went down the shit coin trail and, uh, but but he more, just, he's got his principles and he never wavers from them. But more about Jimmy, right? He's he's like a walking contradiction, right? He's six feet tall. He's Korean, right? He wears a <laughs> cowboy hat. He, yeah. He's got six kids. He, he's, yeah. he's married, and he, I, and from what I understand, he's deeply religious. He yep. does. He doesn't swear except for using the word shit as it relates to shit coins. That's the only exception that he actually makes. <laughs> right. And I remember, in, in a lot of ways, to me, he's he's very spiritual. I, I'm sure he would not, you know, he'd be like a little embarrassed. I'm putting him on a pedestal. But I remember I I too had a conversation with him because you know he was outside. He was selling his book for twelve dollars, right? The little Bitcoin book, yep. right? And yep. it's just, I, I, and I had the I got the signed copy of it. Right. And I remember talking to him about, hey, man, what do you think enough Bitcoin is? And he says, David, you got to have temperance. One must have temperance. It's like, dude, it's kind of like talking to, you know, how do I say it? <laughs> like, like Luke Skywalker talking to Yoda. I'm not saying that Jimmy's ugly like Yoda, but he's that wise. Right. It's like, he's, yeah, I would have never thought it's like. The, the, some of our influencers that came before you, I mean, Michael, they're so spiritual. In, 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 it's like it's divinely guided, right? It came from three, then to nine, then to 27, and wherever we are on that chart and the people that we're evangelizing, right? And I, I consider myself privileged to actually have met him because I, when he speaks, I really, really listen up because he speaks in such a way without condescending anybody else. But I, 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 I digress about that. So, But uh, I like your analogy. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. it's, it, it resonates with me, pancreatic yeah, cancer. Well, you know, and, and I got right here, uh, thank God for Bitcoin. Uh, I, don't, I don't have that. Is that Jimmy's uh, book? Is that Jimmy's book? Jimmy is one of the authors on this book. There's uh, eight authors. Uh, Robert Breedlove is one. Uh, Julia... Turiansky is uh, another one. She's a friend of mine, her and her husband, Johnny Dilly, who's been a Bitcoin core developer. And she is actually, she's a rock star in the Bitcoin community going way back to, uh, uh, she had a YouTube channel in Bitcoin. She did a lot of work for Ross Albrick, you know, on, on that case and uh, put a lot of publicity out there for him. She, she's been around for a while. I saw her, I got to hang out with her for about an hour at Bitcoin 2021. And it's great because she knows everybody and uh, she's just awesome. And this book is great. You know, I recommend everybody get this book. Hey, let me ask you a question. <clears throat> what would you say to somebody who's thinking about Bitcoin, but hasn't made the decision? You know, you've got uh, well, a great way of. So what, you know, what I Here's what I think, you know, about that. And and uh, and this is a good place to start. This is Safe's book. Yeah. 
the Bitcoin because, standard. Because you have to start with sound money. You have to understand. I'm sorry. For those of you who are listening on Spotify and podcast and not watching uh, on YouTube, he uh, Michael just put up the, the, the book, The Bitcoin Standard by Saifedean. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. And uh, th- yeah, that yep. really is. It's it's another it's, first class. Yeah. Pack, yeah. Right. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Right. Continue on. Yeah. So you, you need to start with sound money. That that is where you need to start. You need to figure out why the dollar is not very sound and why you want to have what is the hardest, soundest money the world has ever seen. You know, that is where you have to put invest your time. And, and I love the Bitcoin standard because the first three quarters of this book does not talk about Bitcoin. That's right. It talks about it money. It talks about sound money. What money has been and, and why sound money is important. And, you know, we, we have no idea what a world looks like with hard sound money, but we are at the very beginnings of finding that out. And I think that the best test case right now is in El Salvador. I am actually looking at going down there and uh, seeing if I can put a project together, invest down there somehow, because I think that place is gonna explode. I think it's gonna be great for Latin America. And I think that uh, Latin America, you know, cause everybody's watching El Salvador down there. Don't think all their neighbors aren't paying attention. Well, and, uh, uh, about that, about I, I want to jump in here. I was speaking yeah. to our mutual friend, Uncle Jim, right? Mm-hmm. And I was also speaking to my partner, Dave Hampton, who, by the way, yep. for those of you who don't know, he's half Guatemalan, right? And, you know, his, his coloring is, you know, very, uh, shall we say, right med- Mediterranean, right? And he speaks fluent Spanish, right? And I said, nice. we should go down there for a week. And we should go and stay in a hotel or rent an Airbnb on or near Bitcoin Beach. And we should say, as far as a project is concerned, my, I'm talking project in a different way. I'm talking more of a movement. We should go down there and say, we are here to spend Bitcoin, right? We, oh, and we, sure. I mean, we could use Strike, right? We could use our, our yep. uh, and, and basically pay for everything in Bitcoin. That's, that's the mission right there. And yeah. if we could get more Westerners or Americans or people with means to come and do that, then that's part of the exponentiation. And I'll get that pancreatic cancer to go from stage one to stage five quicker. Right. right. So anyhow, but you, but I, sorry, but you, you of course being a construction guy, um, yeah, to invest down there. And that's exactly yeah. what's going to happen. Remember yeah. we, we can be permanent residents for three Bitcoin and that that's doesn't mean we, have, well, we don't have to pay three Bitcoin to the government. We could buy a house no. in Bitcoin with six Bitcoin. We bought it for that price. That means yeah. me and my wife now have permanent residency. Well, we're, we're, we, I, we are not doing it at 30,000 Bitcoin. I will tell you that. I mean, maybe at 250, I'm thinking, you know, go down there and, and spend three Bitcoin because all you got to do is spend three Bitcoin. They don't care what price is at. So, yeah, that's right. 30, that's 30 right. That's right. grand. Yeah, 90,000. Yeah. You know, so this is my second having cycle to go through. And 30 grand reminds me so much of 3000 in December and January of 2018 and 19. And it's nothing. It's not 30 grand is nothing. It's It's nothing. No, I mean, 30 grand reminds, it's as cheap as it was at three grand. Right. 2018 and 19. I want to, I want to talk to our audience and I want to just explain because it was a nuanced comment you went over, Michael. What Mike is saying 
is, is that he is not going to take three Bitcoin and spend what the equivalent of 90 or 120,000, what do you know, wherever it's oscillating. He's not going to no. do that. He would right. go to El Salvador when Bitcoin's worth 500,000, right? And now, now he's going to buy a million five worth of worth of Bitcoin. Now that has his attention, right? Because now, right. Yeah, right. So, right. Uh, yeah, so, anyhow, so you and Put I. trip together. I'm in. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to, uh, this, yeah, you know what? I'm going to bring a suit because if the president of El Salvador wants to speak to me, I'm going to come correct. And I, I, don't, I want to make sure that I'm not saying anything bad about Jack. And I really want to give a shout out to Peter McCormick, right? Because, you know, yeah. Peter McCormick is one of my inspirations. I, I, you I, know, and, and uh, Peter did. He went down there. Peter been, made many trips to El Salvador before all this uh you know, yeah, this, no, no, there. So he put in some hard work, you know, he really did. And I really want to give a shout out to him, right? Because yeah. he, he, he's one he's one of the guys that actually what bitcoin did podcast yep. and he always has great guests on who just who speak the truth i'm i'm envious yep. of the fact that he can get these guests but anyhow yep. he uh, he was called so jack says hey i want you to document it and he was asked to interview the president and all he had was a metallica t-shirt <laughs> right I I I sorry I don't know if it's Ozzy Osbourne or Metallica. It's some heavy metal T-shirt. You know he's got all his yeah. all his yeah. tattoos up his arms, and yep. he's sitting there, and he he's really yep. quite humble. And uh, yeah, so think about like going to the White House, right, or the yep. House of Commons, or whatever. You know, all you have is your Kiss T-shirt. I mean, it's just it's it's so wonderful. It great. Yeah, it transcends everything. So. Yeah. Um, you and I both got moved by Bitcoin to the point where, look, I'm, I'm in the space. I'm part of the movement. I'm a true believer, right? If Jim Jones was Bitcoin, I'd be drinking Kool-Aid. Horrible analogy, right. but, you know, I'm good at that. So uh, I started... Oh, no, the uh, legacy financial system people are drinking the legacy <laughs> Kool-Aid. Yeah. That's the problem. See, David, I told you how smart this guy was. Yeah. Right? I told you. That. Yeah. Wait till you meet Mike Smith. He's, he's got... He, he can drop some knowledge. So anyhow, I started a podcast, but really I, st I, I told my partner, I said, I got to recruit in the blockchain space. And, and at first he kind of poo-pooed it, right? Because I always throw out a lot of ideas. These are things like, but I kept saying it, I kept saying it and saying it. And finally, finally he just said to me, okay, let's do it. Right? You, you threw in. I don't remember poo-pooing it, but. Well, uh, you got a way about you that seems poo-poo sometimes. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's anyway. usually misread. Yeah, yeah, Dave, the most misunderstand person that you know. Yeah, I've spoken to your wife about that. Anyhow. <laughs> no, Emerson said, to be great is to be misunderstood. Uh, anyhow, so yeah, so I started a business, and you too started a business because you were just moved with every fiber of your soul. Let's talk about it right now. Yeah, Bitcoin 101. Yeah, let's hear about it. Tell our audience what it is and why it is. I, yeah, I, so, the why so, it is, the why it is is so. very important. So I, I bought an old bank building and my covenants say, you know, I can't have a bank, a competing bank, which I don't have. You know, I have nothing to do with the legacy financial system. And this is a bank uh, building in Michigan where you live. It is. Yep. It's in the little town of Ovid. And, uh, spell that. Spell that for our audience. Spell it for our O-B-I-D. Okay. And get this, the address for this building is 101. Love it. It's right on the mid corner of Main Street. Okay. At the main corner, the address is 101. What, so was that a sign for you? Me. Was that a sign for you when you saw that? No, I actually, I thought of Bitcoin 101, and I think 
I never really paid much attention to the address. And then all of a sudden I looked at the address. I was like, oh shit, that works. Yeah. So, <laughs> so okay, go ahead. Yeah. So you can't own so, a bank, but you own a bank so, building. You know, it's, it's, it's about promoting, uh, I'm promoting global adoption of Bitcoin one hodler at a time. Tell everybody so, what a hodler is. Uh, well, a hodler is somebody that just never sells their Bitcoin under any circumstances. Right. right. Okay, go on. And, and, and you, you know the story behind where that came from. But, yep. You know. Yes, I do. Okay. So, um, so yeah, it, it's really education. Um, the primary uh, reason for the bank and the vault is to store one key of a multi-sig wallet. So... I recommend to people, like, I don't really want somebody putting their tracer in their seat. Well, you never put your tracer and your seed words together, right? I mean, that's a big mistake. But don't put anything in the vault that, you know, could compromise your Bitcoin if somehow somebody were to get in there. But a multi-sig wallet, you put one key in there you would have to have America's dumbest criminals trying to break in and get it because they get nothing, right? So let, let's stop for one second. So for our audience, okay? Yep. So Mike, Michael went up to Physics 102 on us a little bit. So what he's talking about is, is that you can have a, a, a cold storage wallet, right? And that's, right. that's prevalent today. Everybody, a lot of people have a cold storage wallet, which you can, you can have your little secret code in there, and that's how you control your Bitcoin. And if you lose the wallet, there's a backup phrase that you can actually have. The problem with that is, is that someone else finds the backup phrase. They can actually uh, rob you of all your Bitcoin. They can move it unbeknownst to you from your wallet to theirs, right? Yep. Multi-sig, which stands for multi-signature, is a setup where there is more than one wallet and, and more than one have to be executed in order to actually move any of the yeah, Bitcoin. like it, in the physical world, think of it as you need three keys to open this vault, or you have three keys, but we need two of them. Any two of the three work. That's right. Right? And, and that can be three of five, it can be seven of nine, it can be five of 10, it can be any combination you want, depending on where you want to go with your own security. Okay, so you opened this bank so that people could actually store the keys and or the backup of say one of the keys in a multi-signature yeah, environment. Yeah, so, you know, ultimately, you know, I rent a, uh, a sovereign box, we call them, by the way, uh, and they can put whatever they want in there. I mean, I advise them to, you know, use multi-sig for your, to secure your Bitcoin, you know, especially large amounts of Bitcoin, right? And, and put one key in there. Got it. So I can use this place for, you know, meetups. I can do AMAs. <clears throat> basically just bring people in and try to educate them on Bitcoin and get them exposure to, you know, the most powerful asset class. It's actually a new asset class. You know, you have your, uh, your three mega asset classes, stocks, bonds, real estate. Now you have Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the fourth mega asset class and the first mega asset class in hundreds of years. And, you know, right now it's so cheap and 
people can't get their mind around that. I get so many people, you know, <laughs> well, it's at, especially when it was at 50, 60 grand, you know, it's too late. I can't buy one. It's, and it's like, no, no, no. It's, you know, a penny still buys you many Satoshis. So look right. at it that way. Yeah. I'm going to so talk about look, that. I, I got, huh? I got, I got some Bitcoin at $210 in May of 2013. And I wanted to buy some more. And that's when, two, at the time of my life, $210 was a lot of money, right? right? And I was coming out of the recession, right? My wife and I were, were trying to make it. And I was going to yeah. buy some more. And then literally, and this was also in 2013, I think around August. And the price had gone up to $380. I said, I'm not paying that. That's a ripoff, right? And then when it went to $1,000 in 2013, I said, it's over for me. It's right. over for me, right? And then it goes down to $300 and it lived there. Right. And then a lot of it went to 20,000 and 3,000. So a lot of people, I, I, I'm talking to my friend, and I don't know if he's listening, Josh Hill, right? Military attorney extraordinaire in Mississippi, right? I think he's in Jackson, Mississippi. And he's, he's just said, yeah, it's too late. Everybody's gotten into it. And I'm hoping he's listening to this podcast. And I hope he listens to you, Michael. And I hope everybody is it's just like, if you own 0.23, I'm sorry, 0.28 Bitcoin, a little bit more than a fourth. You're going to be in the top 1% of Bitcoin holders in the world on planet Earth. Right. All right? So right. That's, that's right. So um, your bank, is your bank, uh, does it patronize to proximity within, can we drive there? Could someone like uh, live in San Diego or Vegas, could they utilize your bank for a box? How's that work? Absolutely. Yeah, they could uh, they could put a, a key here and, and uh, I could actually give them I could uh, like sign and verify for them, you know, if they want access from wherever or, you know, they could come here and do it. So what the what Mike's talking about, let's just say that you have some Bitcoin, let's say any amount that that's relative to you. So we'll call it 10 Bitcoin, which is significant. Right. And I mean, no one wants to lose $300,000, which is going to be 30 million someday, right? So <clears throat> if somebody comes in and we call it the wrench attack, right? They say, hey, give me your Bitcoin, right? And if it's multi-sig, <clears throat> right? What they could do is they could actually have one of their keys and then they could say, hey, Michael, we want you to spend because Michael can't spend your coins without you. He has them locked right. in a box. So really, he's a custodian of the keys, and there's some type of arrangement around and that, and that's that's the security from that. Am I explaining it correctly, Mike? Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I'm not going to spend, yeah, any of their Bitcoin, but give them access so that they can, and give them some, uh, you know, geographical diversity, jurisdictional diversity, right? Potentially. So I, I'm just going to say this to you. I think your next branch that you open needs to be in the state of Wyoming. I think this yeah, is a good concept. Because, yeah, you know, Caitlin Long, right? Yeah, I mean, love her. She's a, she's a rock star. Yeah, Caitlin, if you're listening, I love you. All right. Yeah, I, I she just, is great. She's such a great pioneer. She was at Bitcoin 2021. I really wanted to meet her and say hi to yeah. her. Yeah. No, she, uh, she's a pioneer as far as... She is. Yeah, what you need, guys need to know about Wyoming is Wyoming is... Uh, you know, Wyoming is realizing, uh, kind of like Nevada, really, uh, they said, hey, man, we're not really mining silver all that much, so we better turn to gambling, right? Some, something that gets some revenue to the state. And Wyoming is having its pressure. So Wyoming is the most crypto-friendly state in the world. Not the country, in the world, right? And their rules are very strong on crypto. So I believe that 
you know, as things break off in our republic, the Republic of the United States, that Wyoming is going to be a very safe place to be if you have to be in the United States as it relates to crypto. It's just what I think. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and uh, what Kraken's moving there or has moved there and they're recognized as a bank. Um, yeah, it, the, the crypto financial world is probably going to be built in Wyoming. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be what credit uh, what uh, what Delaware what Delaware was up, the credit cards. What Delaware. Yeah. yeah Delaware says, look, we're, we're the size of a Kmart. So right. we're just going to be very credit card friendly, right? Right. And, and so anyhow, uh, I want to talk about a couple of things specifically. Hey, if you're listening and you want a job in crypto or you need some people in crypto, you need to call me. I'm David James, and uh, you can find us. You can find me at the BTC Recruiter on Twitter, the BTC Recruiter. I'm David James, and uh, so basically, I uh, are you looking for a head of blockchain? I am. I got a candidate. So I've got a, yeah. So anybody else who's listening needs a head of blockchain. I also have a blockchain engineer. I had somebody uh, the other day say to me on the phone, he says, I want somebody with at least 15 years of progressive blockchain engineering experience. And I said, well, pal, okay. Satoshi, Satoshi Nakamoto doesn't even have 15 years and he's worth 60 billion. So how much are you willing to pay? So anyhow, so that's that. Uh, also, I, uh, I have a search for an Ethereum developer. That's okay. It. What about what? What are you working with? Uh, actually, I have some. Uh, uh, I got a blockchain data engineer. Okay. Uh, and then I got a couple candidates for some of the searches I've been writing right now. So I got some full stack engineers. Wait, you're, wait, you're writing and filling your own searches? That's that's the name of the game, young sir. You make me look bad, but you yeah. always have. That's that's what you taught me. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So anyhow, I'm the job whisperer, but he's the robo recruiter. And uh, basically, I'm Dr. Frankenstein, and this guy is Frankenstein. I've created a monster. He's so wonderful. And also, I just want you to know that when I hired Dave in 2014, right? March yeah, 2014. He was not only was he recruiter of the year, but he was also rookie of the year. So he did it. Uh, anyhow, and I wanted to talk a couple things. So anyhow, yeah. So if you're looking for a job or need people, call us, okay? Um, I wanted to talk, go back, because as we're finishing up here, you know, a lot of people don't realize the, uh, the fractional reserve banking corruption, right? So yeah. what happened was is that your bank only has to have 10%, right? Um, more like five or six. Well, no, hold on a second. Before, before COVID, right, okay. it was 10%. So, so we go in and we put $100,000 in our bank and our savings account, right? And they use that as collateral. And they lend out that, they lend out a million because the Fed will give them the other 90%. Right, yeah. but when it happened after COVID, is Jerome Powell said, "No, no, no, zero. The banks can hold zero. Yeah. Right. And talk about the corruption. Um, when the PPP loan happened, I was going to my banker. Right, the guy who was calling me every day. Oh, you're so important to us. We love you so much. And the PPP loans were being given to companies that needed ten million dollars. Right. Yeah. That had that or had more. yeah that had a billion dollars in cash. Right. Yep. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yep. But banks like us, we were just getting the cold shoulder and we're getting yep. the runaround, et cetera, et cetera. And I remember there was this company called Cabbage who I got to give them credit because we got our, our PP loan from them. It was small, very small, but we got it. And right away, we got an email. Cabbage put it on their their uh, their email uh, on their website. We are no longer giving any other type of loan other than the PPP loan, because there's so much free money, free, just all they want to do is service the account, service the loan, 
right? The, and, and, and they're just so corrupt. So anyway, I just, I had to say that. And you were talking about Rocky Palumbo. Okay. You think you, I really want to get him on the show. Can you get him? Oh yeah. I can get Rocky. For All sure. right. Well, Hey, well, well, he's, we'll, he's great. Well, anyhow, th- this was really great. Mike, I can't thank you so much. So basically, it's Bitcoin101.io, India Oscar, right? Yes, and, you got it. And you know that anybody who's got an IO address, that means they've thought it out that the government of the United States cannot shut them down, right? right? So IO is yeah. good. Dot com yes. is, think, dot com centralized, IO decentralized. But anyhow, hey, I'll see you in a few days at BitBlock Boom, okay? Yeah, yeah, looking forward to it. So as everybody knows, uh, David Hampton, thank you very much. The Robo Recruiter. Thank you. And this is another episode of Bit About Crypto. I'm David James, the Job Whisperer. And remember, everybody, get whispered. <laughs>